Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within, to seek out new joys and new methods of awakening, to boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning from the explorers of the inner realms. This is Jonathan Robinson, and I'm with my trusty co-host, Brian Tom O'Connor. And I always like exploring with you. It's kind of, you know, this podcast is a little different than a lot of podcasts in that we get to listen to it ourselves and explore ourselves. So whenever we bring up a topic, we're just trying to go deeper into it and see what's there and what we can learn. And I hope our blabbing and our words help you to explore these topics as well. Sometimes we surprise ourselves and say things that are incredibly wise. And I say, who said that? I got to I gotta remember that one. <laughs> Ho hopefully that'll happen today. Anyways, today we're talking about three approaches to happiness. And happiness is a topic close to my heart because I've written four books about it. And I made my lifelong goal after being a suicidally depressed teenager to figure out a way to be happy. And um, I'm pretty well there. I, I feel pretty good about life. And I know, Brian, you experience a lot of depression in your life as well. So I think we both have some experiential things we can say about this topic. But when I, I mention three approaches to happiness, what, what shows up for you? Well, it's true uh, uh, what you said about uh, the experience of happiness and having been depressed. And, uh, and I make no spiritual claims other than being like, 300% happier than I used to be. Yeah. Um, but when you talk about the three approaches to happiness, probably I'm going to be the type being a little bit of a purist to focus on one of those approaches, which is the, the inner approach. Because to me, the big discovery is that happiness isn't something that you achieve or that you obtain from somewhere else. It's something you uncover. It's already there. I think it's our basic nature, but it's obscured by thinking, which creates a veil of past and future that just covers up the simple joy of being awareness. Mm -hmm. I always like that you're the purist, so I don't have to play that side of the game. And I can go off into rebel territory and say, that's full of crap. No, it's not full <laughs> of crap, obviously. But... Um, Though I do want to make some distinctions. We'll call the three approaches what you just mentioned, um, awakening or being aware of your true nature. And it's largely what this podcast is about. And our listeners certainly are at least familiar with that approach and hopefully have had increasing success at it. So I want to also mention the two other approaches and what the relationship is between these three approaches. Um, so I'll call the other two approaches to happiness. One would be the external approach, which is what you learn in the world. Try to get all the people and situations in your life to be the way you want, and then 
If you're not too exhausted after doing that, you'll be happy. And that's what we're taught in America and around the world. That's, you know, the, the, the one that everybody is brainwashed to believe. And some people, you know, they get money or health or a nice relationship, and they are relatively happy because things are going the way they want. And then life happens or a pandemic happens or a health issue happens. And the problem with the external approach is that it's just not that reliable. And even if you get everything, you know, I mean, take, uh, I don't like to necessarily put people down, but like our president, Donald Trump, is a billionaire and president. So he pretty much has, you know, a lot of what he wants. But he is not the poster boy of joy, love, peace, and ecstasy. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> I think that's fair to say, even if we have Trump supporters listening, that he does not look that happy. Correct. So the external approach can only get you so far. But, you know, I've written four books about happiness. And one of the things I mentioned is that if you're really poor... The smartest thing you can do to be happier is to get some money because going from poverty to middle class boosts your level of well-being quite a bit. So I think that there's a um, best practices of which approach to work on when. So if you're dirt poor, my prayer for you is that you do not become dirt poor, and that will boost your happiness a lot. Now, most of our listeners are not in that position. Besides the external approach, though, there's also what could be called the psychological approach, and being a psychotherapist that has studied positive psychology, I am also an advocate of that. So what are your thoughts about positive psychology? Oh, I think positive psychology is, is wonderful. I've, I've read a lot of books on it, and uh, I do think that it's not completely black and white. In other words, there is overlap among these three, the inner approach, the outer approach, and the psychological approach. And there's a paradox here that we are pure awareness. We are the universe looking out through our eyes, just as it is looking out through everyone else's eyes. At the same time, there is such a thing as a body, a mind, and a personality. And in order for that universal awareness, which by its very nature is joy, it's, it's because it's unconditional love. It allows everything. By its very nature, it's joy. But in order for that to be embodied in the world, these particular individual body, minds, and personalities need to be freer. They need to be not so tight and constricted and resisting life. So I think there is something to be said for uh, improving the outer person as well as the inner person. It's just that, for me, the easiest way to get there is do the mm -hmm. inner first, and the outer starts to fall into place. You make an interesting point that the easiest way for you has been to do that. And I think different people have different um, uh, predilections. Yep. 
some people you know are really good at making money so at first they'll do that or some people are really good at tapping into the uh, positive psychology methods some of which we'll all describe and some people there if they only have a little bit of effort they can make the best use of that effort is to become present to their true nature and your mission should you decide to accept it is to find which approach has the best uh, bang for the buck for you mm -hmm. um, and at different points in my life that was different so nowadays I focus on the the internal awakening approach the most but when I was depressed I didn't even know what that was so working on positive psychology uh, did a lot for me. The other thing that I've noticed is that, you know, we've interviewed a bunch of people. Um, one of them was Dr. Amy Lindgren. I think it might have been episode 52 or 51. But she had done a lot of positive psychology and inner work that way and had gotten to a place where she was kind of always looking on the bright side of things. And then she woke up and being around her, her awakeness has the flavor of very much positivity and enjoyment. Where other people, when they wake up who haven't done that work, the flavor of their awakening can be more like emptiness or, or less joyful, I've noticed. Have you noticed anything like that? I have to a certain degree, but I've always had a suspicion that people who are reporting emptiness or lack of joyfulness are actually missing something or they are or they are ruling out a certain aspect of their embodiment of their existence as somehow not awakening or not enlightenment so that uh -huh. they're not completely embracing absolutely everything just as it is. Because most of the people I talk to that I consider spiritually awake are delightful, joyful, humorous, funny, lovely, warm-hearted people who enjoy life. And mm. those are the people that maybe it's just because I'm gravitated to those people and I admire them, but yeah. I can't think of any anyone that that I really consider to be awake who is not happy and joyful. I can. Ah, um, okay. Where I wouldn't I wouldn't say they're not happy or, or joyful. I'd say that they're the the preponderance of what I feel from them might be peace. Or with somebody else, the preponderance of what I might feel from them might be love. And and some people more joy. Um, so I think the inner work we do in our psychology before or during our awakening actually affects the flavor of what we experience when we awaken. Yes, that, that could very well be true. And I also am glad that you brought in peace uh, and love because... It's not necessarily a bubbling, smiling all the time thing that I'm talking about when we talk about happiness. It could really mean a deep quiet, a sense of peace, 
mm-hmm. a sense of love and compassion as well, which doesn't necessarily mean that you're smiling all the time. And as a matter of fact, when we talk about happiness, we really have to talk about how we define happiness because a lot of people define happiness as a particular mood that you're in. In other words, he's in a happy mood, meaning he's jolly, smiling or laughing. And often that is associated with particular events, things that are happening or things that you get. And I'm talking about a different definition of happiness. I'm talking about uncaused happiness, happiness for no reason. The happiness that is deep in our actual very nature. And the reason it's deep in our nature is because it is not veiled or caught up in obsession with the past and obsession with the future. It's this is now and this is now and it is okay. So there isn't an argument. There isn't um, a uh, last last episode. Uh, Michael Leiden said there isn't an adversarial relationship with your experience. Yeah, that's a great definition. So that's one approach. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the psychological approach. You know, um, some people have studied happiness a lot, and actually I have too. Um, And they said the normal psychological approach to happiness involves five ingredients. Like if you're baking a cake, you know, you want yeast, you want sugar, you want flour. Well, the five ingredients of psychological well-being are having pleasure in your life. You know, it might be food or sex or whatever. My, uh, another aspect is having good relationships. Another aspect is having a sense of meaning or purpose. Another aspect is having a sense of accomplishment. And another aspect is having activities in which you uh, lose yourself in, like sports or, or fun things you do, which they call engagement. And they use the acronym PERMA, P for pleasure, E for engagement, R for relationships, M for meaning, A for accomplishment. And interestingly enough, just like trying to have glimpses of awakening, it's possible to work on these five things and increase your well-being. Just like it's possible to, you know, work on a business and increase your income. And they didn't know how easy it was until just a few years ago that you can dramatically increase somebody's sense of well-being on this psychological level by doing certain tasks. And in fact, I, I did a, uh, I have a 30 day course for doing this called deeper happiness. And people do one of these tasks for two minutes a day for 30 days. And people get a lot happier. And uh, I usually don't do commercials, but if you want to find out about it, it's at findinghappiness.com forward slash deeper happiness. Findinghappiness.com forward slash deeper happiness. And it describes the course and what it does. And um, I take it like once a year just because it really boosts, you know, how I feel. Uh, so 
what I find interesting is, is there a relationship between that psychological feeling good about yourself and your life, you know, having meaning, purpose, relationships, and awakening, or are they like two totally different tracks that really have almost no relationship to each other? I don't think they're totally different tracks that have no relationship with each other. Um, it's just that I tend to be on the side uh, that those things, PERMA, come naturally when when we have shifted our attention from the insistence of finding happiness in manipulating our experience. And when we drop that and simply know ourselves as that in which all experience appears. But of course, again, this is for me. This is what worked for me. On the other hand, all of those permanent things absolutely do increase well-being of the individual. So there can be a give and take. Yeah. There's, there's, it, it can, there can be a two-way street, a two-way stream between universal consciousness and the individual embodiment of it. Normally, there's just a one-way stream. We take in perceptions, uh, sensations, thoughts, and we send them back to awareness. And when we quiet that obsession with past and future, that thinking, 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 there becomes a two-way street. And the joy that is natural in universal awareness can start flowing through into the individual person and become embodied in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's one I more am... thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. There was just one more Go thing on. I wanted to add to your PERMA, to the psychological approach. I, I, I would say go for psychological well-being and add one more thing, um, which we talked about in our, in our episode on depression. It's that have your emotions. Find mm -hmm. a way to have them and, and see how much you can drop the strategy to prevent having your emotions. Because the paradox is that you can be happy when you're sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially if you're not resisting your experience. Right. And all it is is noticing what inside is already happy mm -hmm. when it's not obscured, when it's not covered up by pasting and futuring. Yeah. Well, what That's... were you going to say? Uh, we'll see if I can remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Well, I think the relationship between psychological happiness and awakening is actually very complex and different for different people. You look at somebody like Eckhart Tolle or Byron Katie, they woke up out of their total desperation and depression. Mm-hmm. So that would say, well, they're not related in a certain way, you know. In fact, maybe being incredibly depressed is actually useful for awakening. But for most people I know, um, I think of it as a, uh, a thermometer. At 100 degrees, you awaken. And as you go from depressed, which is like cold and 10 degrees, you get to happier and happier, more balanced, you know, you get to 80, 90 degrees, and when you hit 100, you, you know, then you're more awake. And 
that would be like a, a vibrational approach to looking at it. And I don't think there's one model that works for everybody, but I see that a lot of awake people kind of hit the end of psychological well-being, and then they said, is there anything more out there? And when they, from that good place, started to practice meditation and some of the things we talked about, it extended it into a, an even newer realm. Right. So let's say that they can really um, support each other, like your analogy of the two wings. Yeah, right. And I find, you know, uh, I took this course called the Finder's Course and have hung around a lot of the people in it. And the leader of the course, Jeffrey Martin, says that they do support each other. And in fact, a fair amount of the Finder's Course is doing these psychological positive psychology things for the mm -hmm. first three or four weeks because uh -huh. he thinks that that does help people then when they do these other practices that are more based on awareness mm -hmm. that uh, people have an easier time waking up and also if they have a hard time if they have challenges they can kind of fall back on this solid stable mental and emotional well-being yeah. Can you think of any examples of, of some of those uh, techniques or practices? Yeah. Well, like one of the most standard ones would be think of several things you're grateful for each morning, mm -hmm. you know, or um, get clear on what your intention is for the day. You know, like mm -hmm. you want to wake up or you want to be joyful. Just get clear. Hey, I want to be joyful today. Or um connect with someone deeply and tell them what you appreciate about them uh these are all things that make you feel good in life you know in an external way so those are examples um that lead to both well-being and might help people to wake up because it brings them closer to that higher vibration you know, when we were discussing this earlier, Brian, uh, you know, we were trying to determine what's the relationship between well-being and awakening. And uh, I made the joke, uh, well, what's the relationship between tomatoes and awakening? <laughs> there might be a relationship. It's not direct, though. You know, if you eat more tomatoes, you might awaken or you might not. You know, so it's not it's not a simple relationship. But I think when people do a fair amount of psychological work, it also makes whatever awakening they have more stable. If you remember when we were talking to Dr. Patty Levin, she's a was a psychologist, did a lot of psychological work. And then when she awoken, there seemed to be a a cleanliness to her awakening. A, a like a purity that I don't see in everybody who says that they're awake. Like there's not a lot of stuff in the background causing her trouble. Mm -hmm. Whereas I have, I do know people who, you know, claim to be awakened or they feel uh, a lot of peace. And yet I get the sense that there's a lot of shadow stuff running mm -hmm. beneath the surface. You know, you get these gurus that, 
they're awakened and then they have sex with 20 of their students and you think, right. well, that probably wasn't helpful. Right, right. Well, I, I totally agree with you and can really relate to that um, as well because I really felt that my psychological work, because I did a lot uh, um, before being involved in non-dual spirituality, and I think that it really, really did help the kind of the after phase. But on the other hand, I still have tons of little neuroses and phobias and shortcomings and failings and stuff. And there's a certain sense that if I wanted to fix all of that stuff before I can be happy, I'm going to be rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic forever. And yeah. that there is something that is already here, despite your neuroses, despite your obsessions, despite your shortcomings and failings. And uh, there's something that's, that's stable, that's already happy, that's already aware, that when you tap into it, it, it sends its perfume of joy and happiness even when you're feeling neurotic or even when you're involved in obsessive thought. So there isn't this sense, oh my God, I will not be happy until I fix my psychological self. That's, that's huge. When that goes away, it's such an incredible relief. And it doesn't mean that you're never in a bad mood. It doesn't mean you never get angry when you shouldn't. It means that you always know there's something reliable there that you can always tap into. And it becomes a habit and it starts to pervade your entire life and existence. Well said. And it made me think like, where is the best place for our energy at this point? You know, because if you have no money, probably your best use of your energy, so you don't starve or you don't get cold, is to put your energy towards the external so that you can take care of your body and such. And then, but once, once you've done that, if you keep doing that as the major focus, you start to lose the bang for your buck. It's like the first slice of pizza you eat when you're hungry is fantastic. The second right. slice is pretty good. The third slice is not bad. The 20th slice is not helping you. That's you know? right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And it also reminds me of something that when we talked about this uh, last week, when we decided to record this topic, you, you, you asked, why do you think the idea that getting stuff is, is so pervasive? And uh, I said, well, it's, it's incredibly um, seductive. But what I, I forgot was this one thing that several people have talked about, and I first heard it from Adyashanti. And he said that when we have a strong desire for something, let's just say a new car, yeah. we feel that we're not going to be happy until we get that new car. And then somehow we either earn enough money or we have an opportunity or we have a great deal or something. We get that new car and we bring it home and we feel like we're happy. Always 
a little while later, that happiness fades and we want another new car or, or a better house. And he said, the reason that we're happy is not because we've gotten the new car. It's that for that little space in between, we've stopped wanting. Yeah. And it's, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the not wanting anything to be different that is the source of happiness, not the getting of things that we want. Right. That's a great point. And going back to my point of the, the balance between these three, so what I notice is that people can get stuck in any of these three approaches. Like they can get stuck just trying to make more money and making their uh, externals better. And after a while, they don't really get much payoff for that. You know, your first million dollars might feel good. The 40th one doesn't do anything for you. You know, mm -hmm. so, and the same is true in the psychological realm, that it's important for us to do our psychological work. But if that's all you ever do, it hits a ceiling. And soon is not doing that much for you. Clean, you know, cleaning up your room a little bit is nice. Getting every dust particle out is not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. And then I also see that people can focus on the awakeness too much, meaning that they use it as a way of avoiding their humanity and their psychology and relationships and uh, stuff. And they use it as a defense from the external or the psychological. So I think really knowing which of those three is, is going to be most useful for you at this time and uh, knowing when it's time to focus less on one and more on another to give you the most growth is really a, a subject that we never really talk about, but I think it's an important part of, of evolving as a human being. There is a give and flow and knowing when to focus on one over the other is, is absolutely important and, and, and it's key and they can, there can be a flow back and forth and they can influence each other. And if we focus so much on the idea of awakening or enlightenment, it simply becomes another goal, another external thing that we want to achieve that prevents us from being happy right now, exactly as we are enlightened or unenlightened. That's a great point. That's an enlightened point. <laughs> <laughs> it's a paradox uh, it is it's a total paradox you know i mean you know you can't just do nothing and sit on the couch and watch tv and drink beer on the other hand if you're so obsessed with achieving this thing that you hope is going to happen to you in the future you're not you're not going to you're not going to get there either because happiness can only happen now yeah I once asked Ramdas many years ago uh, when I was interviewing him for a book, because he was a psychologist before he became a spiritual teacher, uh, if he feels like he has worked through his psycho, you know, did his becoming a spiritual teacher and focusing on meditation, etc., his guru, did that help his psychology? And he gave me an answer, which I liked. He said, Every neurosis I've ever had, I still have. 
But instead of me thinking that I am my neurosis, I think of them as little pets that I take care of. <laughs> that is brilliant. That's exactly it. That's yeah. that's exactly right. Because you're actually not any of those things. You're not you're not your personality. You, we think we were our personality, but that's just you know, it's just a movie that that's playing that we're watching. And Absolutely. and and when you think of it, yeah, as pets or I I think of like you know, when I have a bad mood, I think of it as a as you know, as as a child that 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 I that I treasure. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, all my moods are, are different. I don't and I don't love one more than the other. Mm -hmm. You know, I sometimes have spiritual teachers actually come to me and I actually have a consciousness coach myself because sometimes in focusing on the spiritual awakeness part, you notice that something's in the way, something is off. And I think the being willing at that moment to then do go back into call it going back, but doing the psychological work to say, what is the obstacle that is keeping me from greater awakening is useful. And, and I know my consciousness coach, uh, Ted has been useful for me in that way. And I've been useful to other people that way. I know you have as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I think that's, that's great. I think we should always, keep that up because we also need someone to 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 say it's, it's not a steady it's not like oh now i have passed this gate and i have achieved nirvana and i am here and i am holy and for the rest of my life everything will be perfect i mean we you know human beings and and we can we can leave the the sort of exalted state of Satchitananda, the, 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 the joy of being, um, and get caught up in our egos and our control and our stuff. And it's sometimes hard for us to see that yeah. unless you have a mirror or a friend or a coach who can show you that mirror and point it out in a loving way. Yeah, absolutely right. But practically always what's happening when that gets pointed out is that we've gotten caught up again in the idea that some form of manipulating our experience is going to make us happy. And we're forgetting that that is looking for happiness where it isn't instead of where it is. Yeah, though, you know, we got some nice donations from people recently on our <laughs> website, and that made me happy, Brian. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah, sure. Thank, thank you, folks, for doing that, because this does cost money to put on. And, and more, even more in the money, though, it was the sense that people are appreciating and getting stuff from the podcast. And, and I and Brian really appreciate your warm words that way. I'm grateful. Yep, yep which is one of the approaches, the psychological approach. Actually, exactly. gratitude's interesting that way because it really is a psychological approach, but people who are awakened, they automatically get that thrown in as a bonus. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, being a kind of a purist and thinking that, you know, you go for, you go for um, being awareness first, 
and everything falls into place, I kind of think that things like gratitude and, and love and peace and, and, uh, all of that stuff. So, and, and well-being and health and through some strange, mysterious way, circumstances sort of tend to fall into place. Some so I'm a, I'm an internal first guy, but, but I agree with you that all the others can weave back and forth into it and, and, and affect each other. I remember some wise person once said, seek first the kingdom of God and all else will be given unto you. Yeah, that's basically what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, this has been a fun exploration, Brian, and I actually did learn some stuff. So that feels good. I too. hope our listeners did too. And I hear you have a happiness, well-being meditation for us. Yeah, I sure do. Um, I call it Ra, which is spelled R-A-A, which means relaxing, allowing, awareing. And this is a meditation that can serve two purposes. You can listen along right now and follow the path into the the joy of being awareness. And you can also use it as a practical guide so that any moment during your day, you can draw upon it at a moment's notice. Uh, whenever you feel the veil of past and future covering up the natural happiness of being. And if you do it often enough, it becomes second nature and you do it without even thinking. The three key elements of happiness are, one, relaxation, two, allowing experience to be just as it is, and three, turning attention inward to awareness itself and knowing yourself as awareness. So sometimes, as I mentioned, I call them collectively RA, R-A-A, for relaxing, allowing, and awareing. So the practice is, whenever you feel anxious or overwhelmed or anything you'd rather not be feeling, just remember relaxing, allowing, awareing. And relaxing means checking your body to see if there's any clutching or holding or tension and take a breath. Allowing means just for a moment, asking if you can allow the feeling to be here. Just acknowledge that it's present. And awareing means noticing that clear, empty field in which the feelings appear, and in which everything else appears, and which is already present, and is already allowing, because that's its nature. And being that, knowingly. If you try this often enough, pretty soon you'll be able to simply say, rah, and all of that will just happen together. So let's go into each step just a little bit more fully. So one, relaxing. Check your body to see if there's any clutching or holding or tension. And take a breath. Send your attention to where the tension is. And as you take another easy, deep breath, see if you can soften and let the tension flow out as you exhale. 
two is allowing. Once you're physically relaxed, the next step in awareness exploration is to allow everything to be as it is, just for now. What does it mean to allow everything to be as it is? Does it mean that I should never say anything when I see injustice? Does it mean I should never attempt to approve myself or the world? Does it mean resigning myself to fate? No, that's past and future stuff. I'm just talking about now, just while you're sitting here, just for the duration of the current meditation. Ask yourself these questions. Just for now, can I allow whatever I'm feeling to be here without a strategy to change it? Just for now, can I allow my body to feel and be just the way it is without a strategy to alter it? Just for now, can I allow my personality to be just the way it is, without a strategy to improve it? Just for now, can I allow my thoughts to be just the way they are, without attempting to change them, control them? Just for now, can I allow the world to be just the way it is, without a strategy to fix it? Just for now, don't worry about what you need to do in the next few hours, days, or weeks. You can always return to worrying, changing, fixing, controlling, and strategizing later. Three is awareing. First, start with the content of awareness. Without attempting to change anything that's arising, take an inventory of everything that's appearing right now in this moment. What sounds am I hearing? What sensations am I feeling in my body? What images are peering before my eyes. If my eyes are closed, what abstract shapes are dancing against a black field? What thoughts are flowing through my mind? What feelings or emotions are flowing through my body? Make absolutely no attempt to change anything in your experience whatsoever. Next, ask yourself, what are all these appearing in or appearing to? What is the silence that sounds appear in? What is the empty field that sensations appear in? What's the blank page that 
thoughts are written on. What is this awareness that everything appears in? Does it have any qualities of its own? Has it been there all my life? Does it have any limits? What is its nature? Third, ask yourself, what is aware? If the answer you come up with is, I am, I'm experiencing all these things, all these experiences are appearing to me, then ask yourself, what is this me? Is it my body? Well, maybe. But I notice that I have a body. I can experience my body. Who experiences it? Then ask yourself, what is this me that notices all my experience? And notice that anything you can think of is an object that can be experienced. So it can't be the experiencer. It can't be you. Who are you? What is this me? And does this experiencer experience everything? Does awareness allow everything in awareness to be there without any effort on your part to allow? Be that. Be that open, allowing, choiceless, clear awareness that's already there. You don't have to create it. You don't have to go there. You don't have to bring it to you. You just notice that it's there. It always was there. It'll always be there. So I hope you see how these sorts of explorations are are ways of looking in the exact opposite direction from where we usually look for happiness. It's not where you think it is. It's not where you think at all. It's where you look from. Basically, that was a 10-minute de-brainwashing session. <laughs> trying to get us out of our programmed way of finding happiness, 
externally when it's always within us. That's right. Well, I'm happy with this program. Wait, wait, that's <laughs> external. External. No, cancel that. Cancel. There's nothing wrong with being happy. There's nothing wrong with enjoying music or or clothes or friends or a good meal. That's true. Uh, as long as you realize that happiness isn't dependent upon any of those things. Yeah, I sometimes tell people who aren't that familiar with this stuff, you know, if there was only one channel on the TV, you're kind of screwed because a lot of times you don't like that channel. Uh -huh. You know, so uh, the good news about awakening and our true nature is that it's a second channel. It's always playing something you like. And uh, if channel two isn't working for you, you can always flip back to channel one. <laughs> channel one. I love that. Oh, that's what we should call our, our, our podcast. Channel one. Channel oneness. <laughs> Maybe. Great. Great. Well, thank you, listeners. Uh, feel free to tell people about our podcasts. All the meditations on our website, awarenessexplorers.com, are free. And during this time of high stress, uh, people can really use a little bit of peace. Mm -hmm. And we are both grateful that you tune in and listen so we get to share what we have learned from others as well. Till next time, yes. be happy, be well, and keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And we'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends, because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.